Hey, my friend, this is your host again, Nishant. And before we start this podcast episode, I would love to tell you that I am receiving podcast feedback survey. And the intention of this podcast feedback survey is to know who are my active listeners personally so that I can create a magical heartfelt experience and touch your heart through my personal stories and guest personal stories and learnings. This feedback will really help me to see what you love the most about this podcast and where I can improve. And then I can double down on the activities you love the most and slowly adding new things from this category of new improvements. There are total six short questions which will only take five to seven minutes. And the link of this podcast feedback survey is in the description of this podcast. The first question is, how would you feel if you could no longer listen to this podcast? In case if I stop publishing it, how would you feel? Somewhat disappointed? Very disappointed? Not disappointed at all. (laughs) You don't care. And the second question is, what is your favorite go-to podcast platform? Apple Podcasts, Spotify, could be others. And number three, what type of people do you think would benefit the most from this podcast? Question number four is, what is the main benefit you receive from this podcast? Number five, how can I improve the podcast experience for you? And the last question is, what can I do not to make this better, but to make you tell everyone about this podcast? Whoever you meet in your life, you tell about this podcast. Listen to Nishankar show. Listen to this show. What can I do differently that you tell everyone about this show? There are total six short questions and this link and the form link is going to be in the podcast description. So please check it out. I would really, really appreciate your feedback this fall. And thank you so much again. And now let's start the podcast. What's the difference between stress and burnout? Burnout is conceptualized. So it was it was recognized recently in May 2019 in the World Health Organization as an occupational syndrome resulting from work chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. So I think the difference between burnout and stress is that burnout is this prolonged stress that has not been managed and it's tied to the context of work in specific specifically. And then what's interesting is burnout manifests itself in like these three core components. So exhaustion, where you feel immense emotional, physical, or cognitive fatigue, cynicism, where you feel low levels of job engagement, and inefficacy, which is a lack of productivity and feelings of incompetence. And when these three elements come together, due to chronic stress that has not been successfully managed or mismatched between the nature of a person or nature of work, that's where the stress arises from. That's where burnout happens. So it's its pretty complex. A lot of people think burnout is just from overworking to the point of exhaustion, but really what research has found, especially the incredible research of Christina Maslach, that there's these six mismatches that lead to the stress. So overwork may be one of the causes of the mismatch, but there's also other causes that, that can cause someone prolonged stress that, that and if it's not identified and managed, then it could lead to burnout. Could you describe some of the mismatches? Yeah. So 
the obvious one that I talked about is workload, right? Too much work with, you know, too little time and resources. But there's other not so obvious ones, like so a conflict in values. If your organization or your boss is telling you to do something or you're working on a work stream that doesn't align with your values, that will take a toll on your, what I call in my book, your personal pulse, your vitality. You know, doing something that doesn't feel aligned with what you stand for, ouch, even if you're not overworking, right? That's going to cause problems or prolong stress. Fairness is another one. So if, if it feels like the policies and procedures at your work are not fair, for like, let's say promotion policies or your boss buys into the motherhood penalty, what we call it, where people assume that mothers are less invested in their work because they have children. And hmm. that can take a toll too, right? And, and cause stress. Uh, other one is lack of reward. And this can be financial, social, or intrinsic reward. You know, where you're you're working really hard and you don't feel like the reward matches up with the effort that you're putting in. And again, this can be social as well. That will take us that will cause stress. And then a, a big one that people don't associate with prolonged stress tied to the workplace is social support. We spend so much of our waking lives at work, so much of our time at work. And if we don't feel like we belong or we're included, or if we're in a caustic work environment or we don't have anyone to you know, to confide in that can create chronic stress or that mismatch. And then the last one is control. So if you are micromanaged or you have little control, that will create what we call learned helplessness, where it's like, why even try if I can't even control my environment? And that's incredibly stressful. We want to feel certainty. We like to feel control. And so to not have control is very stressful for us as humans in general. So it can come from a lot of different places, that, that chronic stress that has not been successfully managed. And in your book, you talk about that burnout is not always the thing with individuals. It could be with the organizations and companies. We cannot blame individuals all the time. Yes, we have to take personal responsibility, but there are other factors that you're describing. Absolutely, yeah. That's the thing I want to say. I'm like, this pulse five core capabilities, they're important because it, it gives you the individual power to build out capabilities to help buffer. But it's only one half of the story. Workplaces also have to invest in setting up work streams and, and, and managers and people leaders need to also invest in setting up conditions that guard against those six mismatches as much as possible. And when it's done on both sides, the individual level and the team and organizational level, that's when the magic can happen. So it has to have a multi-system approach. It's really, really important. And so just like we monitor things that are very important, we, you know, I wear a smartwatch, track my steps. If you had a heart condition, you check your blood pressure. We, you know, I really think that we would be all better off if we were tracking our well-being on a consistent basis. And so we can catch when we start feeling little levels of exhaustion and go, oh my gosh, I have to do something to replenish myself, you know? And and I really believe in micro moments of replenishment that these we shouldn't wait till vacation, that we can do these things on a consistent and persistent basis and small doses, but done over time, again, consistent and persistently, because little by little, those little things add up to a lot and they're also much more doable. So something I say to people is like when you stress and you stress your nervous system, just find moments to rest, to counterbalance it. And if we keep that balance in place, we won't find ourselves in that throes of exhaustion. And if we do find ourselves exhausted, what can we do 
to replenish ourselves, even small doses at a time to leave us a little bit more fulfilled. Because it's pretty tough once, once we get to the point where we are psychologically taxed over time because of stress that wasn't counterbalanced. That's when, when, when we get into like the danger zone in terms of getting closer to conditions for burnout or just not feeling effective on the job. For me, personally, it is asleep and taking lots and lots of naps. So Jacinta, what are your personal micro moment of replenishment? Yeah, so mine is, surprise, going out in nature. So when I do, so I do a lot of talks for my book. And after every talk, I know my nervous system has been activated in the talk. I'm not stressed, but your nervous system does, is stressed because I'm excited. I'm I'm eager to share my knowledge and share about this book. And, and so, but I know, you know, your nervous system doesn't know the difference between if you're happy, mad, angry, pumped up, excited. It just knows, whoa, you're, you're, you have a nervous system like or physiological arousal. So to, in order to allow my nervous system to get back to a more calm state, to counterbalance the stress. So I, I'll go outside five minutes. That's it. You know, but I live in San Francisco. I, I'm lucky to live by the bay. So I'll go out and watch the seagulls, smell the sea air and breathe and let my body and my nervous system, I mean, calm down and know, okay, the stress is over. And then I'll restart my work. And then maybe I'll go through another meeting that's a little bit stressful and I'll go, okay, let me stop. And I'll do some uh, coherent breathing, which is uh, really, really powerful. And, and that it's just slowing down your breathing to about six breaths a minute. And what that can essentially do is hack your nervous system to turn down that fight or flight response, which we call our, our um, sympathetic nervous system, and turn up the power of our parasympathetic nervous system, which is tied to rest and digest. And then maybe throughout the day, something else, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll counterbalance it with another micro thing, like a gratitude, writing the gratitude piece. And so I'm looking for opportunities throughout my day when I feel stressed that I counterbalance it with replenishment. And so I have this mantra that I, say to my clients, when you stress, you must rest. And it's just done on these micro doses, but just like my little gratitude jar, right? Those little, those, those things add up over the month. And there's, there's a beautiful loads of memories and things that I feel grateful for that add up. And it's the same thing, you know, with our resilience, we add more and more to, I call it your metaphorical or piggy bank. And then when a stressor happens, you could take some out of the piggy bank and you still have some, some reserves in the tank so that you don't break the bank when adversity hits. And that's kind of how I think about building out a buffer for burnout. 